0: My son, Mark Norman, is a comic living in Manhattan. During the pandemic, he and his girlfriend have gone from restaurants or takeout almost every night to cooking at home. We discuss the journey, especially whether it is a permanent change. It's on Tip of the Tongue. tip of the tongue a podcast on the nitty grits network where we explore the intersection of food and drink and museums this is liz williams we're here with my son mark normand he's a comic in new york and he's here with us in new orleans today hi mark
1: hi happy birthday
0: thank you so you have been part of Every single, um, ep- not episode, but every single uh, season. season that we have done. And so now we're starting our third season. And so, of course, we have to have you again.
1: Uh, hey, good to be back.
0: So tell me, what do you miss about New Orleans?
1: Mm, well, uh, first of all, you can drink outside, which I always forget in every town when I walk out and get tackled. Outside of a bar. But uh, I think it's it feels more small-towny than people let on. Uh-huh. You know, it's considered this party city and French Quarter and jazz and all that. But it's definitely smaller feeling than, obviously, you know, New York or L.A. or Chicago. And I kind of like that.
0: And smaller, but is there still energy? Or is oh,
1: it- yeah. Yeah, I don't mean it. It's Hicksville or anything. It just... Uh, it just feels a little more laid back and you can just relax here more.
0: So there was an author, his last name was Poe, P-O, and he wrote a book about how to get to be what you want to be in terms of, you know, your career. Mm-hmm. And he went around to cities all around the country and he asked people, what do you do? And people would say, oh, I'm a waiter, but I really want to be a writer. Mm. Or I'm a bartender and I really want to be an actor or whatever they would say. And he said when you came, to, he came to New Orleans and he'd say, what do you do? And people would just say, I'm a writer, I'm a musician, mm. I'm a this, I'm a that. Even if they also had a day job. Mm. And he said it was the only place where people identified themselves as what they saw themselves as and not by their job.
1: Oh, weird. I wonder why that is. I
0: don't know, but I think it's a good thing.
1: Yeah, I think people feel comfortable here. And, you know, if I go, hey, look at this cool shop. You go, oh, I know the owner. And if I go, look at this restaurant. You go, oh, yeah, I'm friends with the chef there. Or, hey, look at this whatever furniture store. You're like, oh, yeah, I went to high school with that guy. So that's kind of nice.
0: Yeah, that is nice.
1: I guess it gets old. I maybe or there's a ceiling or something but
0: it's not i in my opinion it's not so small town that you are without privacy
1: no yeah, yeah it's not one of those but yeah. it's a good middle ground right Right. yeah and there's so much art here you know it's that was we were driving on the highway and i saw a sign it said snapping turtles for sale so you still have the you have a little everything. You have the big city, you have the restaurants, the bars, the symphony, the theater, but you still have the guy selling snapping turtles. And that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. selling snapping turtles in Manhattan.
0: That's probably true. <laughs>
1: Maybe some guy in the back of a bodega has a snapping turtle fight ring going <laughs> on. But, you know, it's, there's not a sign for it.
0: Right. Plus... Here, if they're selling it, it's so you can eat it. Yeah, that's
1: true. <laughs> Have you seen that sign? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Uh-huh.
0: the so cow, wan nice. and yeah. snapping <laughs> turtles. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and of course you can still buy all kinds of other things. You can buy possums mm. and you can buy raccoons to eat. Mm. So yeah, people still do that. Yeah,
1: you know. yeah, and and there's a humbleness here where everybody, not everybody, but most people in other cities are kind of like hustle and bustle. We got to make it. I'm living my dream. And here you come here to just live. It's not as much you come here to make it, mm-hmm. you know, you come here to just have a life and hang out and do what you want to do.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think that's why people are attracted to it. Actually, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah everybody's just holding a beer and putting their feet up and, You know, oh, Mardi Gras is coming up. Oh, Jazz Fest is coming up. Oh, there's a Saints game. Oh, let's go to this new place or old place. Or here's
0: an opportunity to wear another costume. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come here to live, not to make it. Right. That's the New Orleans way. Mm -hmm. And if you do want to make it, people kind of get annoyed. And they go, yeah, yeah, quit quit ruining my buzz.
0: (laughs) Okay, what about food? Do you miss the food?
1: Yeah, yeah, missed miss the food, obviously. You can't get it anywhere. I always say in New York you can get Ethiopian, but you can't get good Creole. But I guess that's also part of why it's fun and different here.
0: That's probably true, yeah. So what does bring you to New Orleans this time?
1: Well, I came for the birthday and then set up a few shows in Lafayette while I'm here. For some reason, I sell tickets there. I don't know why. First place I ever did stand-up. Really? Yeah, Lafayette. So it's nice to go back and be able to sell out a place.
0: Did you go there to do an open mic Mm -hmm. from when you were living in Baton Rouge?
1: Yeah. So we drove the two hours or whatever it is and bombed and had a blast and drove back and that was it. You were hooked. Hooked. Okay.
0: So what else are you working on?
1: Uh, Working on a TV show about with puppets uh because i feel like you can get away with more with a puppet uh-huh it's supposed to be animated but it's topical so there's not enough time to draw all the scenarios so we went with puppets cuz it's still not people but it's still not animation right and we'll see if that goes but you know i'm always hawking some show that never gets made
0: yeah i'm waiting for you to do a show about food <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know where I would if I did a show about food. It would be a a worse version of Bourdain.
0: Ah, uh, yeah.
1: Like okay, a sillier version.
0: Uh huh. Where you you're just trying to eat something weird.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I would eat the snapping turtle. Yeah,
0: but that's also been done already too. Yeah, so. that's
1: true. Yeah, but you could do a whole whole show just eating here.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: Everybody goes to Cambodia or something, but you could do it, the whole thing here. And then all the people who run the restaurants here are such characters and weirdos and personalities. So you get all that too.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's why people come here to eat. Yeah. And it's been that way for a long time.
1: Yeah. And then they live here.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So are you still cooking now that we're still in COVID? are Are you still cooking at home?
1: Uh, the girlfriend is, and I root her on and cheer because I want to eat it, so I feel guilty that I'm not cooking, so I'll try to chop up stuff or stir or whatever it is. And you so know. do
0: you do the dishes?
1: Do the dishes, but now we have a dishwasher. Oh, wow. Yeah, not bragging, but, uh, it's pretty sad, by the way, that the stuff I will give the dish, the work I'll give the dishwasher... I'm like, ah, eh, I can handle it, and it's just a full bowl of fudge. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, ah, eh, it can make it, and then it comes out looking the same, but I still give it a shot. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're definitely cooking, and it's getting more and more challenging because you got to keep upping it. Uh huh. Started with, you know, chicken parmesan or something, which is just pasta and then chicken and then sauce mm-hmm. and cheese. And then it became, well, let's try gumbo, and then it's dumplings, and then it's uh, tum-yum soup or whatever.
0: Yeah, but that's that's good. That means you get comfortable with it, and you can move to something more exciting.
1: Yeah, well, the weird thing about cooking is it's just a recipe, and yet it's still kind of hard. They tell you exactly what to do, and you can still mess it up.
0: Well, I guess... Also, it depends on what kind of experience you've had. I've seen people where it says um, add two eggs, where they actually put the egg in, the whole egg
1: oh. in the batter <laughs> or
0: whatever, instead of cracking the egg. No. In. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yes.
1: <laughs> With the shell? Uh-huh. Wow.
0: But, you know, if you've never seen anybody do it. Then I guess so. just don't know.
1: Yeah. But then it's just little things you pick up, like... I used to scram- eat scrambled eggs, and I would just crack an egg into a pan and start s- spinning it with a fork. And then you see somebody else crack an egg into a bowl and do it and then pour the bowl into the pan. And you're like, oh, I never knew that's that made a difference. But I guess it does.
0: Yeah. I'll, it's all about experience for sure.
1: Yeah, like I saw you rolling a lemon and then cut the lemon. I never, I never thought about that.
0: Yeah, but it really does help make it – Make it juicier. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, always learning, even though I'm almost 40. Still picking up the basics.
0: Well, I hope that that never stops, right? You want to keep learning all the time.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: So, if if you could say, Mom, I want you to cook anything, what would it be?
1: Well, I mean, I would want all the, the Creole stuff because I never get it. So... That's why I try to push for here for Thanksgiving because you get the oyster stuffing and the turkey gumbo, uh, all that stuff. Or some kind of shrimp, cornbread or crawfish corn, whatever it is.
0: Yeah. All oh, that's really good.
1: Yeah, because yeah. when you really think about a traditional Thanksgiving, it's kind of boring. It's kind of bland. That's Ash true. Mashed potatoes, green bean, turkey, maybe a sweet potato, maybe a gravy. Yeah. That's about it.
0: And I hate the sweet potatoes with all the marshmallows on them. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that at all. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's already called sweet potato. You gotta (laughs) add candy. (laughs) And stuffing I like, but it's still kinda like without the gravy, it's just
0: it's just wet bread to me. Salty bread. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I uh dad and I were in Germany one Thanksgiving. And uh, we were living in Germany, but we went to Switzerland.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it was for Thanksgiving dinner that was being had. So a bunch of people were, Americans, were having Thanksgiving dinner together in Switzerland. Mm. So, of course, they couldn't get a turkey, so we had a goose. Mm. And we wanted cornbread dressing with oysters, but they didn't have cornmeal, so they made chestnut dressing. Mm. And... They didn't have cranberries, so they made applesauce. I mean, the whole thing was just so different. Yeah, <laughs> and it was all based on substitutions. And they didn't have pecans, so we couldn't have pecan pie. So they made some kind of a of a tort with hazelnuts, mm. and all of it was good. It just wasn't traditional in any way.
1: Yeah, how was the yeah. chestnut?
0: Well. I like chestnuts, and I had gotten used to eating chestnuts on the street because it was cold there, and you could buy hot chestnuts that they would roast on the sidewalk, you know. Um, so I, I, I like those, but it's it's like this soft nut kind of thing, and and you mash it, and um, it's more like eating mashed potatoes with stuff in it than mm-hmm. it is like a bread stuffing Mm -hmm.
1: you know yeah not for me (laughs) so i don't know if i've ever had a chestnut you hear about it in the christmas carols but i don't know if i have i eaten a chestnut i
0: I don't know can you get them in new york
1: i mean i'm sure you can get them but i just don't you know a pecan cashew peanut right it's not it's not like that okay
0: it's it it's kind of soft Mm. And and I've, you can get them candied, mm. where they've been cooked in sugar. Um, but if you get those little paper cones that they fill with the, the cooked, sh- I've seen it on the corners, street corners in New York. Oh, okay. I've seen so, the nuts
1: for nuts guy.
0: Now this is this is just chestnuts, and they'll have some kind of a uh, oil bin, you mm. know, that's got um, fire in it or whatever. Yeah, and they're yeah. Cooking it there. Next time you see one you should you should get.
1: Some. I'll get it.
0: Yeah, just to try it. Yeah,
1: know? I'm down to try it. I just don't know where they are.
0: Yeah. Well, just keep looking. Yeah. You know, and don't uh, you'll not just homeless people with their hands being warmed over the over the <laughs> fire. And uh um yeah, try it. It'll be good. All so, right. So what else are you doing?
1: Uh Just trying to do stand up, podcasting, writing new material. I had a special come out, so now I'm trying to build a new special.
0: Yeah, you're almost at 5.6 million.
1: Yeah, Yeah. hopefully, to get 10 million by Christmas.
0: That it seems almost doable. Yeah. Why not? Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're getting there, but I just worry. Eventually, every American will have seen it.
0: Well, then they'll just have to watch it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so.
0: All right, so I want to know what you think about the restaurant industry and the bar industry in New York and the hope for it to continue.
1: Well, it's struggling, obviously, but a lot of these places are getting really creative and building these plywood outdoor kind of huts, and they put a heat lamp in there. And and, it's
0: over the sidewalk? Yeah. and And the city's letting them do that?
1: Yeah, and... I heard in England that the government has shut everything down, but they still pay the restaurants. They pay for them oh. to stay alive. Whereas here, I guess we're we're too greedy for that. We're like, ah, you're on your own there.
0: Right. That's not very capitalist of them. Yeah. yeah.
1: So they're trying to make it work, a lot of takeout, and people are trying to support, and people want to go out, but it's just too cold, and it's too weird. You know, you're... <laughs> Your food comes out, and it hits that freezing cold air, and then it gets to the hut, and it's not the same, and then a hobo coughs on it, and then a car backfires, and a rat runs by on the sidewalk, so you're kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm as hungry as I thought I was for these chestnuts, so.
0: But what about Takeout. Yeah, was, it's there. And so are you doing much takeout? Yeah, a
1: little bit, a little bit. It just feels weird because the restaurants are so snazzy and expensive Then uh-huh. when you get a, a plastic box of whatever, it's not as, you feel like, oh, was that worth 50 bucks? Yeah. So it's not the same. The Half of it is the candle and the waiter and the whole thing.
0: Right, because if you have to put it on your own plate and then wash it, it's not quite the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you
0: don't think that people are cutting their prices at all to reflect that?
1: I don't think I don't think they can cut it because they're already struggling. So yeah. then they'd be double struggling, I guess. I don't know. I guess it's something to to do takeout for cheaper, but I think the thought is, hey, yeah, it's takeout, but we're going to help you out because you're a f- because we you know, want failing you to, we want
0: you to make it.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, do you think that because, let's say you, not you don't represent everyone, but mm-hmm. that that you, because you've kind of done this enforced cooking, because you certainly weren't cooking this much before.
1: No, no, it actually made us learn, or made her learn, and now she likes it.
0: So, do you think that you will do more cooking at home because... Of this experience, even when the restaurants are open again?
1: Probably, which I guess sucks for them, but it's fun. It feels good, and it it's good to watch it happen and then get to taste it, and then you have so much more, and it's so much cheaper, so I don't know. I like, and she really enjoys it, so I come home from a gig, and she's in the kitchen with six, Flames going and stirring stuff and music's on and it's kind of nice. Yeah. I like going out to eat too. Don't get me wrong, but.
0: But I, I think it's really kind of, um, a shame as far as I'm concerned. And of course I want the restaurants to make it. So it's not that I don't want the restaurants to make it. But when I was growing up, you only really went out to eat as a special occasion. Yeah. And I think that in today's world or in yesterday's world, um, before COVID, people went out to eat regularly.
1: Oh, uh, especially there.
0: Yeah, especially in New York, and uh, and so for me, I'm really happy to see people wanting to cook at home, mm-hmm. um, and not see it as a drudgery, but see it as something that's pleasant.
1: Yeah, and uh, maybe it's had a resurgence. Yeah, but it needed that. It's kind of like podcasting, how tv and movies and youtube and now we're kind of back to radio right you know i don't know what kicked it back in but i think everything kind of is cyclical and it just keeps coming back so even if something is you know you see a lot of guys who only listen to vinyl right you know it's the same thing some people like going the old school route and now cooking is having a, a
0: a resurgence yeah 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 and i'm I think it's uh it it's kind of a nice thing because it gives you an opportunity to actually control your food,
1: yeah, yeah, and they say you take in half the price and half the calories when you cook at home, yeah,
0: I can believe that, but it used to be that you know in the recent past that cooking was almost this thing you had to do when there was a downturn in the economy. So Mm. everyone was doing it just to save money and saying, oh, I can't go out to eat as much. I don't have the same amount of disposable income because of this downturn in the economy based on whatever. Mm. And so then as soon as the downturn was over, people returned to going back out to eat. Mm -hmm. And I feel, although I don't have any evidence except my own gut to say, that that's not exactly the way it's going to be now.
1: Yeah, I think it's here to stay.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: But what does that do for the restaurateur?
0: Well, in New Orleans, I I see it a little bit differently because our economy is so based on tourism, and then you really have to go out to eat because you're not living somewhere. You don't have the tools Mm -hmm. to cook for yourself. So those are people who are going to continue to go out to eat. But for those places that had a person who eats there once or twice a week just because or or a family or or picks up takeout and takes it home once a week or whatever, mm. I, I think that that may change.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Maybe if some guy could figure out or some person could figure out a way to have you come to a restaurant and cook because <laughs> if everybody likes cooking, I don't know, maybe there's some business model there But to combine them.
0: But if you and May weren't together um, and you were living alone, what would you be doing now? Would you be buying frozen dinners, or <laughs> what would you be doing?
1: I would probably be doing the bare minimum of cooking, scrambled eggs, oatmeal for breakfast, and then... Uh, you know, I'd buy like a rotisserie chicken mm-hmm. and then pick away at that or lunch meats or a s- bunch of frozen steaks, uh-huh. stuff like that. So I would probably start cooking more, but it would be pretty basic basic, and just get me fed and keep moving.
0: Uh-huh. So this way you get the benefit of somebody who's enjoying the experimentation.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's paying off. I mean, we'll go, she'll get a recipe and then... It'll be some weird plant you'd never heard of in some Thai dish. Uh-huh. So we have to go to the Thai place, and uh-huh. they're like, "Oh, we don't have it, but there's a weirdo guy on Canal Street who's 7,000 years old and wearing a robe, and he's got it. So you got to tell him you know me, and he doesn't speak English, so that's a whole thing. But
0: that's part of the adventure. That's
1: part of the adventure.
0: I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I had did something like that in – Uh, shalmet! I had to find a tortilla press Mm. and I thought where am I going to find a tortilla press and so I went into this little check cashing place where they um, send money on wires to Mm. different places and I asked them if they knew where (laughs) I could find a tortilla (laughs) press they gave me two places and so I went to the first place and they said oh we sold the last one (laughs) we're waiting for a new order and then And we had to do it all in Spanish, but um, they sent me to another place, and I got one.
1: Wow. Yeah. So, but couldn't you just go online, or you wanted to find it? I wanted it it
0: right then. I didn't want to wait. And, you know, I figured that it would be so expensive to ship it. It would cost as much because it's so heavy um, as the actual press, you know.
1: So, so. where did did you go?
0: There's a little place on... um, judge perez uh highway and uh it was called perez mm. and uh so i went in there and got the tortilla press and then i bought other stuff there too because they had ingredients that i was looking
1: for so and is it a metal
0: yeah uh-huh.
1: oh wow so was it super expensive
0: it was about 15 dollars.
1: oh that's pretty good
0: yeah and then I made tortillas.
1: Wow. See, that would be a good show if you film that whole journey and then the tortilla making.
0: Right. That would be. And then eating them. Yeah. 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 That would be fun. Yeah,
1: yeah. that's a good web series. Mom finds odd <laughs> items and cooks with them. Yeah. Mom hunt or something.
0: <laughs> I did the same thing when... Um, dad had to go to a clinic and of course, because of COVID, I couldn't sit in the waiting room. So all I could do was drop him off and then I had to pick him up and they, they called me when he was ready. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to take a walk around the neighborhood where I was and I found a, um, a Pakistani store Mm -hmm. and I went in there and found all kinds of fabulous foods And, um, because people aren't quite so rigidly, um, specialized, Mm. they had food from India too, and from Afghanistan and places like that. So I brought, I brought home all kinds of stuff. This man kept saying, how did you come here? You're buying so much. I've never seen you before. And Mm. I said, oh, I dropped my husband off. (laughs) and i was buying some uh some fresh turmeric mm-hmm. and uh and i had a, a a bunch of cilantro and uh they called me that dad was ready and i should go and pick him up and so i said okay i'll be there in a minute and he said oh is that your husband is he ready to be picked up and i said yes and he said, "Oh, here you can have this." Wow! And so, so he wouldn't take the time, you know, for that. And so wow. that was very nice. Yeah, it was very nice.
1: I wonder if he thought Dad was in trouble.
0: I don't know, but um, I, I mean, I didn't exaggerate it. You know, yeah. it was just, uh, but it, it was really nice. And then. Um, Eric and I went back there Mm -hmm. together and we bought some more stuff.
1: Oh, see? So he made a customer for life.
0: That's right, yeah. Oh, see? Yeah,
1: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I went to the Middle East uh, once for comedy and I went to Saudi Arabia and all those, you know, you walk down the main drag or whatever and it's just carts with tons of powders and spices and nuts and fruit, and crazy stuff and... You know, we have that here, but it's it's kind of like, oh, it's a farmer's market, and there it's just every day.
0: Right. And they're big sacks of things. Yeah. It's not just a little jar. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I'm thinking, who knows? Who's like, you know, I need a little more red powder, random red <laughs> powder. I got to go scoop that out at the store.
0: Yeah. But I guess you just know I'm going to fix this, and mm-hmm. I'm out of whatever you need for it.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And I'll need a sack full. Yeah. A giant bag.
0: I'm sure they could scoop a little bit less out for you. <laughs> <laughs> make a paper cone or something and put it in.
1: Yeah, and- but then you think, it seems so much more primitive. Like there's not, I guess they have Amazon, but these these guys just go old school. And so then you're like, how did you get this spice pile? Did you go through a distributor? And then he did he go make it? You know, it it seems way more like there's a a through line here instead of just oh we call a guy and w- they deliver it.
0: But if you think about the Arab traders for generations and thousands of years of that sort of thing, mm-hmm. those those things are probably inherited. You and you your father or somebody introduces you to the distributor and yeah. so you just take over the spice stand from your family and that just continues, you know, mm-hmm. but spices are so cool that mm-hmm. they really enhance your cooking and yeah. change the flavor and the same ingredients, like the same basic ingredients like fish or shrimp or lamb or goat or whatever with different spices it, it's totally transformed into something else.
1: Yeah, well, for sure. That's why we thank Marco Polo. <laughs> Didn't he find the spices?
0: I don't think so. Or was he silk? No, Marco Polo, they used to talk about how he brought spaghetti or pasta back from from China. Uh huh. But I think it was a long time before Michael, Marco <laughs> Polo.
1: I thought he was on the spice trade.
0: Well, he probably was involved in the spice trade at some point, but mm. he didn't, like, introduce it 100% or oh, anything. Oh, I thought it was him. No. He just wrote about it. I think he gets a lot of credit because uh-huh. he kept journals and, and wrote about things, and so you can mark it with that because there's writing about it, mm. you know, even though it could have existed for 300 years before he wrote about it.
1: it must have been nice to live or be around back then because you could just say anything and people would have to believe it.
0: That's true. I think there was a whole lot of that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. We seem to have had some recent misinformation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but now we can check it. That's
0: right. We have we have fact checkers all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. But back then you go, "I'm the Messiah." It's written right here, yeah, and right. then they're like, "That looks like your handwriting." And he's like, "Well, I don't know anything about that," and you were good to go.
0: Right. Well, thank you very much for visiting with me today on this microphone. And uh, I don't want to wish you good luck. I hope you break (laughs) a leg tonight.
1: All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, Marco. Polo. All right.
0: Thanks for listening to Tip of the Tongue. We come to you from the Camellia Bean Studio at the Southern Food and Beverage Museum in New Orleans part of the Nitty Grits Network. For more information on today's podcast, join the Tip of the Tongue podcast group on Facebook. Please come by when you're in New Orleans and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like it, let us know in the comments. This is Liz Williams.